So where we pick up in the story of Daniel this week is that Daniel now is an old man. He's a, he's a really old man. At this point in time in the story, he's, he's, he's in his 60s. Unless I make anybody really mad here, <clears throat> like my dad, because uh, Christmas is coming. Um, um, he was about 10 or 20 years past life expectancy, all right? So old is relative, right? Old is relative. Nobody here is 10 or 20 years past life expectancy because life expectancy now is like 100 years. So nobody's, nobody's you know, falls underneath that category. But he's outlived three kings. He, king Nebuchadnezzar, the world-dominating world tyrant, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's outlived him. And then his frat boy son, Belshazzar, he's outlived him. And now he is with King Darius. Uh, and actually, Babylon is no longer in power. It's the Medes that are in power. And King Darius is the first king of the Medes that are now in power of the entire world. And so uh, uh, King Darius is noticing the same thing that King Nebuchadnezzar noticed. There's a spirit about Daniel that's different. There's a spirit about him that is completely unique. And he can't quite put his finger on it. And so uh, uh, Daniel quickly rises inside the kingdom of King Darius to, to the chief uh, uh, advisor, chief wise man. And King Darius was going to put Daniel um, uh, number two in the kingdom. And just like today, when um, you know, foreigners take the local guys' positions, the local guys get jealous. Look, 2,700 years ago, it's the same headlines. There's nothing new underneath the sun. And we're going to see a lot of that today. And so they got all, all these jealous wise men, which is a, kind of an oxymoronic statement, right? All these jealous wise men, they get their head together and they go, well, what do you do? when you're in the government and you're in politics and, and some dude's rising faster than you want them to rise, what do you do to that person? It's called a smear campaign, right? You try to find any bad thing you can about their character to smear them. 2,700 years ago, this is happening. Nothing new underneath the sun, right? And they try to find something on Daniel. They try to find, pin something on Daniel, but they can't find anything. What are we going to do? What are we going to do now? We, we can't find anything to pin. We can't find anything to bring him down. We can't find anything to, 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 to cause King Darius to go, this is not the guy. Got it. It's got to be his religion, right? Got to be his religion. And so they go to King Darius. King Darius! Long live King Darius. Now, filling in some of the gaps here. Hey, King, man, you're the best king. <laughs> you're the best king ever. You're so... You're so amazing. We've got this brilliant idea. You're so amazing. You should, you should have everybody pray to you for 30 days. Everybody. You're so amazing that nobody should pray to anybody else. And King Darius bites it, hook, line, and sinker. He's like, you know what? That is a great idea. A few weeks ago, we saw, we saw a clip, a Jerry Seinfeld clip from Netflix about, you know, what kind of mindset does it take for a guy to say, you know what, is my wife calling to be the, 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 the president of the United States, the leader of the free world? What kind of mindset is it that, that, that a guy goes, that is a great idea that everybody on, on the face of the earth should pray to me, right? And he signs it into law. 
What does Daniel do? He goes up to his loft apartment in downtown um, where, wherever that he, he lived. Face towards Jerusalem. And all the camel and donkey traffic was going nuts down below and all the marketplace and everything. And he got on his knees and he prayed three times a day like he always did. And the jealous wise men were standing outside watching through the window waiting for him to pray. And they came up to King Darius and they go, hey, 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 king, how's it, how's it going? And the king's like, man, that's the best idea. Everybody's praying to me and it's awesome and it's great and everybody's now talking to me. They actually like, act like they like me and everything now. And it's, it's fantastic. The wise men are like, no. All but one person, one person's defying you. He, he must hate you or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what's behind this, but but this guy, King Derek, what? Who? Who's it? Who? It's Daniel. King Darius goes white. He spends all day trying to figure out a loophole. You know, maybe they used the wrong email server, or you know, maybe the Russians interfered, or something. Who knows? Anything else to offend anybody else? Okay. Might be able to keep going. But he couldn't find one because as soon as he signed it into law, it was law and it was unrevocable. So they threw Daniel into the lion's den. End of story, right? Drive safely. Have a Not end of story. I mean, we know the story. Even if you're not familiar with church, you probably know Daniel in the lion's den, right? And how it turns out. There's no spoiler alerts here. King Darius goes back. It says that he doesn't have any diversions that night. and He fasts and he prays. It's amazing um, how a guy turns religious when... <laughs> When uh, a guy that he respected, he kind of, I mean, throw on the bus is probably a little light, right? And so at the crack of dawn, literally the crack of dawn, King Darius goes and they roll the stone away. And it dawned on me this morning that there might have been a little bit of foreshadow there. That he rolled the stone away and he called out to Daniel, Hey, hey, Daniel, did you, did you survive? I don't know for sure. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not positive. They, the Bible doesn't say, but I'd have to think Daniel was like riding a lion or something. Or like the, the lion was like curled around, right? Like lions do. And he was like lying up against the lion, you know, like going like, yeah, everything's good. Or, you know, he was playing pinochle with the lion or, you know, Texas Hold'em with the lion. And he had the hat, uh, the visor on and a cigar in his mouth. That's the lion, by the way. But Daniel was religious. He doesn't play face cards anyway. But um, I would have to think that Daniel was doing something that was just like, yeah, everything's cool. Everything's good. So, great. 
me just told the story that you got flannel boarded, you know, in, in you know, Sunday school when you were young. Maybe this part didn't show up on the flannel board. All the jealous wise men and their families got thrown into the lion's den and, and they didn't hit the bottom, you know. How do you flannel board that? And this was the guy's arm. Shawnee's like, That's great, right? Everybody go home. God saved Daniel from the lion's den. whoop de doo Most of us won't be 500 yards close to a lion's den, right? So what? So what? What if, what if Daniel tried to find salvation the ways that we find salvation today? See, we would never say it out loud because, you know, God is our salvation, right? God is our refuge, and we know the words to say. We are in church. We know the words to say. However, what if Daniel tried to find his salvation through his position? You're going to make me number two. Surely number two would be exempt from this, right? Maybe he would find his salvation By relationship. Come on, King. We're buddies. We're pals. Friends don't throw friends in the lion's den. Right? What are you doing? Maybe, maybe he would try to find salvation through law. King, you know this is a dumb law. You know that, that, that they were playing to your ego. Uh, you're the king. Surely you can do something. I mean, what do you mean it's uh, irrevocable? What do you mean you can't do anything about it? You're the king. Make another law. I mean, some sort of lion control law or something. Come on, man. Nothing new underneath the sun, huh? What if we found salvation through loss? What if he, what if he had a different focus? What if he had, tried to find salvation through religion? God, come on. I prayed three times a day and this is how you thank me? By being thrown in the lion's den? What good was that? How about morality? These jokers couldn't even find anything to pin on me. That's how good I am, God. And this is how you thank me? Look, yeah, God is our salvation. But how often do we use everything else to be our Savior? See, when everything else is our Savior, God and man will Disappoint. God and people will disappoint us when everything else is our Savior. You want to know what is your Savior? A pretty good litmus test is what's behind the most, the, 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 the biggest disappointment in your life that you want to fight about. That's your Savior. Because you think, and I think, that's going to save us. 
No person, no institution, no action can bear the weight of being our Savior. No human, no action, no institution can bear the weight of Savior. But God, I go to church, I pray, I read the Bible, right? These actions should save me, God. Your disappointment's not with God. Your disappointment is with the actions that don't save. That was never intended to bear the weight of Savior. The institution of the church was never intended to bear the weight of Savior. Institution of government and laws, president, your state representative, never intended to bear the weight of Savior. Your spouse, your kids, never intended to bear the weight of Savior. Boyfriend, girlfriend, relationship, whatever. Never intended to bear the weight of Savior. And if we try to put on their shoulders the weight of being our Savior, they will disappoint us every time. And you know what we'll do? We'll fight for our our salvation. We'll fight for it. We need to make a new law. We need to find a new church. I need to find a new boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, kids. Never intended to bear the weight of Savior. And they will disappoint every time. Newsflash. People disappoint people. Surprise, right? We expect ourselves to disappoint people. But that other person should never, ever disappoint us. We're bearing on them the weight of Savior. And that weight was never intended for any human any institution, and any action. So where was Daniel's salvation? Daniel 6, verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you or save you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. Do not let that pass you by. Does Daniel sound disappointed with the king right now? No. Should he be? If his salvation was in the king. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. I mean, come on, right? 
What's up with Daniel? Doesn't he know the American way? Ha ha, right? Yeah, you know, 700 years before Christ. See, this is ingrained in us. If we do not get our way, if we do not find the good place, if if something bad happens to me, we fight to find our good place. I mean, shoot, that's how we were founded. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying this is how deeply ingrained it is in us. This is how much we have to fight against us. It is a good American to fight for our right to party. No? When God alone is our salvation, we give up our right to fight for anything else, even if it leads to death. We don't get that in America, right? Like, we have file clerks that she doesn't want to do something and she throws a parade over it because of her right to do something. It's fighting for a different salvation other than God alone. With me, been some struggles this summer. Trying to strategize my way into salvation. Fighting for that salvation. Salvation in God alone? If it is, we give up the right to fight, even if it means death. We love Daniel. We love his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they say to King Nebuchadnezzar? Hey, I don't know if God's going to save us from this fire or not, but we still won't bow. Even if it ends in death, I am not going to fight for my own salvation. I'm going to let God take care of that. Why? We fight for our salvation to put ourselves in a good place. And Daniel and his, what, his, what Daniel and his three friends know is that I'm in a good place even if a lion eats me. Because if God saves me from the mouth of the lion, I'm in a good place. If a lion eats me, I'm in a good place. Right? Because Yahweh is my salvation and I'm with Yahweh forever now. Win-win. This is why we don't have to fight. Now, a good question is, from what are we saved? Right? From what are we saved? Okay, look, the fact that I say God saves us, not a shocker here, right? Again, we are in church. From what? Well, you'd expect me to say sin, death, hell, right? You know, flashbacks to, to, to sweaty preacher, revival, right? The better the preacher, the more syllables they add to a word. Find the Jesus! You gotta get saved, right? If you add some more or syllables, you're a better preacher. If you can sweat through your undershirt, your Oxford shirt, and your twill coat, you're the, you're the man, right? Obviously, I'm going to say that. 
That's not wrong. But at the same time, if we are really honest with ourselves, there are probably times that we kind of look and go, you know, <laughs> yeah, saved from sin and eternity, and you know, what am I saved from? I'm saved from sleeping in on Sundays. I'm saved from the good time that I like to have. Maybe I can pray a prayer and get out of hell free and still enjoy my deal, right? If we're really honest with ourselves. I know we're in church, so we can't get dishonest with ourselves. Do we want the salvation of God? Because it's not praying a prayer. That's not salvation. So salvation is wanting rescue. To pray a prayer to get out of hell free, but wanting all of this over here of a good life and the fun that I had and, 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 and all of this, that's not salvation. That's not being rescued. It's not being rescued from sin. It's not being rescued from death. It's not being rescued from hell. But even at that, what God wants to save us from runs deeper than any of those things. I kept asking myself this question, what are we really saved from? What are we really saved from? Really praying this question. And I kept, I kept getting Genesis 3. Go to Genesis 3. Go to Genesis 3. Go to Genesis 3. So let's go to Genesis 3, verse 15. I will put hostility between you, which God is talking to Satan at this time, and the woman, and between your seed, the woman's seed, or the, the Satan's seed, and her seed. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the prophecy of Christ, the first prophecy of Christ. But there's going to be hostility between the seed of woman and you. There's going to come one that's going to strike your head. It's going to squish your head. Right? We're rescued from the hostility that Satan brings. That's our rescue. See, it wasn't about Daniel getting rescued from the lion's den. It wasn't about that. It was about showing people who do not know God that, 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 that Yahweh will rescue His people from the hostility of Satan, from the hostility of the evil one, from the hostility of the one that, that introduced sin to humans in the first place because he had an issue with God. And he wanted to destroy everything that God had. See, this is what this looks like. If you are struggling with the whole Christian thing and what's going on with this in church, that hostility shows itself up in what we would call the morning after. This seemed like a good idea. This seemed like the only way. This seemed like it would bring pleasure. This seemed like this. This seemed like that. This seemed like... but. Holy cow, coming out of this, I still feel this uh, inside. I thought this thing would save me. But I still feel this hostility. What's going on? And maybe it's been years since you felt that. But it's still there. 
We just know how to ignore it and know how to recess it down into our souls. But it's still there. That's what the Bible calls a hardened heart. That's the hostility of Satan. It's not just that God wants to save us from sin. He wants to save us from that right there. And that is freedom. That is abundant life. Not continuing, not continuing uh, in, 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 in the pleasure that we think we get from sin. That's not abundant life. Abundant life is being free from the hostility that Satan wants to throw into our life. And then if you, have, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of God, if you've committed to hear and follow Jesus, look, we're not perfect still. However, we experience this freedom And when we do sin and we do repent, you felt it, right? You felt it. You felt it like you just go on with your life. And maybe even that makes you feel a little bit guilty, but that is the gift of God of freeing us from the hostility of Satan having an overburden influence on our life. See, that's freedom. We have the freedom to not sin, and we have the freedom that when we do, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Is that verse true or not? If we continue to walk in guilt after confessing our sin, we don't think that verse is true. Salvation is not a one-time deal that we do when we pray a prayer. Salvation is what God continues to do every day of our life when the effects of sin just seem to roll off of us. That's salvation. And then ultimately at salvation, when we do get the chance to be able to live with God forever and never experience sin ever again because we are in His presence, that is rescue. Right now, we continue to have this struggle. We continue to have this sin that still wants to kind of come on to our life, but then it's like water off of a duck's back. It just rolls right off of us. Why? Because he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. So how do we find this? How do we find this salvation? Daniel 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house. The windows in his upper room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This is incredible, right? When Daniel knew this was signed, he went three times a day and prayed, just as he did before. He lived out the principle of Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It was all breaking loose in the beginning of this psalm. And this is part of our Bible study reading this week. It was all breaking loose at the beginning of the psalm. And then the conclusion of the matter is be still before God. In fact, another translation says stop warring. And come before God. What's another word for warring? Fighting. 
And if we're disappointed with something, what are we going to do? We're going to fight for our salvation. Stop fighting for your salvation. It's already been won. Be still. The number one word that God gave me this summer when I was trying to find the salvation um, outside of God was wait. Which is another way of saying be still. And he continues to show the salvation that he wants to bring. It's not complete, but he continues to show it. Be still for God. He will save us. We don't have to fight for ourselves. We don't have to fight for salvation. He will save us. If you have not committed your life to Christ, He will save you. He will. He will rescue you from the hostility that you feel through sin. If you've committed your life to Christ, I don't know where you're sitting this morning and what mess you're sitting in, if it's your own mess or somebody else's mess. Or He will save you. Be still. For He is the Lord. You don't have to fight for yourself. He did a pretty good job of fighting for you already. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, teach us what it means that you are our salvation. Open our hearts to this. Help us. Help us to not fight. Help us to be still. (laughs) Even if we find ourselves in somebody else's dung heap, that we stop trying to push our way out, but be still. Because you will save us. You're powerful enough to save. Help us. Rescue us. Allow somebody to find that rescue this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.